this is Top Quality Faith Ministries podcast, a multicultural global church mandated by God the Father to love and to serve as an instrument of the body of Christ. This is the house where God builds top quality faith in his people. Wherever you are listening from, we pray that you are blessed by today's message. This call is being recorded. We're going to go ahead and get started. We apologize that we didn't start at exactly 10 after, but we were still trying to get the mic uh, ready and available. So, Paul, if you want to go ahead and pray us in. But before uh, we pray, Paul, man, uh, you guys, can we take a minute to pray for Paul? Paul is having light chest pains at this particular moment. So, uh, Precious, can you help us to pray for your dad? If everyone, wherever they are, could just pray in the spirit, even now, submitting yourself. <laughs> We come before your holy praising and magnifying your holy name. We come before you, Lord, asking for your hands, oh God, to lay hands on him. Blanket him by your spirit, Thank you, family. Thank you, Smokey. Okay. It was just a burp. A belt needs to come out. But anyway, thank you for your yeah. prayers. Yep. Yeah. Father God, we come to you humble before your throne tonight in Bible study, Father God, to just reaching out to you and giving gratitude and thanks for your blessings, your love, and your grace, not only for today, but for yesterday, the day before, and for this week. It's just waking us up this morning, Father God, and for bringing us those who are at the, this holy temple tonight on Bible study. We thank you, Father God for the safe passage to this location. Father God, we ask that you touch each and one of everyone that's on this call and those that are present, touch the pastor, that she may bring this knowledge as the Lord has destined it for her to bring it through his vessel. 
And Father God, let it be an edification for all those that are present that we can take this this knowledge, the word, and share it with family, friends, loved ones, and those that are in need. And we forever give you the praise, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, Father God, I guess it hit in the mokos of Bakaha. I get in the mokos of Bakaha. Lord, I just ask that you guide us. I get it in the mokos of Bakaha. I get the boko de boko de boko de boko de Bakaha. Jose de Maha, you don't know moko de Baha. I bet at a moko de Bakaha. Jose de Nimiki Karabakaha. You only know what we're doing. You only know what we're doing. You only know what we're but you're able to see it all. You're able to see it all. You're able to see it all. Give me a second. I do hear something, you guys, but give me a second. I just hear the spirit of the Lord saying, I'm shaking the earth. I'm shaking the earth. And he repeats himself and he's constantly saying, I'm shaking the earth. And then I, I, I see him like when he shows me the shaking, he shows me like you would have a bag or something and you want a cold, uh, whatever it is. It, it would be like popcorn. And you know how you want to make sure if you want cheesy popcorn, you shake it and you put, you shake it so all the cheese can go all through the popcorn bag so that every single piece of the popcorn can be coated with some of the actual cheese that you put in the bag. And so the Lord is showing me that he's shaking the bag. He's shaking the bag. And when he says he's shaking the bag, we are the bag. We are that popcorn. We are that popcorn. And I can see God just shaking the bag. But then... He pours out this bag, and then he presents this bag on the table, but this bag is not being given to the body of Christ. This bag is being given to those who are not a part of the body of Christ. Hopefully you guys hear me. But the funny part about it is when he put the coating on the popcorn, that popcorn calls the body to look like those who's eating it. Hopefully you guys just got what I said. The popcorn is coated, and so as he's serving up this popcorn, we look like those who's eating the popcorn. And so in that place where we look like those who eating the popcorn, but the funny part about it, as they eat the popcorn, they become kernels. And God collects them and then utilizes them for his good as well. Hopefully you guys got what I just said. Wow. So so what God is literally trying to tell you that this is the season where he's shaking things up 
and he's making us uh, become pliable to to those who are outside of the fold. And when he says pliable to those who are outside of the fold, that means he's bringing us into a different realm in the spirit where we're able to be more relatable. And we're no longer in that place that we're, how would I say, Lord? He said, say it just like this. You're not shungi. The uh-huh. things that you're saying, the people do. You're no longer taking deaf ears to it. You're no longer afraid of it. He says, I'm shaking, I'm shaking things. And so he's shaking so that things can come together and things can loosen up and things cannot be the, as they were. Doesn't mean that you become, okay, oh, just like them and you start doing the same thing, but you're going to have to be able to fit into the environment in order to bring them out. And the Lord says, what do I mean by that? He says, I need you to be open to go into the places where I'm calling for. And the way I can get you guys to see you know, uh, years ago, I met a gentleman, and in meeting this gentleman at work, you know, he was just somebody I would never have talk, uh, spoken to about Christ. You know, uh, he liked the same, uh, he liked men, and because he had, how would I say, a strong desire for men, and he would literally ask me about different men, and I would be like, hey, I ain't a party to that. You know, whatever you got to say, that's between you and you. You know, I don't want to have nothing to do with that. But I remember being in that particular position with him, and the Holy Spirit said to me, which was most important, he said, I want you to go sit alongside of him, and I want you to listen to him because no one has ever listened to this gentleman. And I said, Lord, you want me to listen to this guy? And this guy began to tell me all the crazy, idiotic things that he did in the world. And I sat there and I listened, even to the point where he really believed that God made him to be gay. And he told me, you know, his story and everything. And, you know, uh, I didn't refute anything. I just allowed him to speak. But in that, you know, I'm scheduled to meet with him, you know, how would I say, uh, 20 years later, he still recalls the impact that I made on his life. And I have a lunch date with him this weekend to sit down and just have another conversation. And, and so... When I when he initially reached out to me, I was in that state to whereby I was like, okay, Lord, do I got to take this invitation? Because, and I want to make sure you guys hear me, a lot of times we're reluctant to be in places where we are not, I say, in the same, walking the same direction as others, but God is literally opening the pathway 
and we're going to have to walk in places and we're going to have to stand up and we're going to have to listen to things in order to help them. I want you to know that the world don't like the church. I hate, for, hate to say it, the world don't like the church. And the church ain't going to get better. It's not going to turn into where everything is going. Lord, am I saying this correctly? The generations that are out there today, they don't want to have nothing to do with the mom and pop churches uh, today. And in order for us to reach them, we're going to have to go outside of the church in order to bring them into the place that God has called forth them to come into. And the only way they're going to be able to come into the place, you guys have to be equipped and not afraid to step into the places that God is calling. He said, say to you guys this. He says it's time to build relationships. He says it's time to build relationships. It's not only time to build relationships, but it's time to restore some relationships that's been torn apart. And he says it's time that my house comes together. And he's literally saying that the only way the house can come together is that we have to get out of our comfortable places. And he then shows me again, he's shaking things up. I see the popcorn and I see things being coated and it has all different types of flavor on it. And so the Lord is literally trying to get us outside of our comfort zone and into the places where we're not looking to judge people, but we're looking to what? Enhance people. And the way we're going to enhance them by basically learning how to walk alongside of others. And he said, repeat this again. It's learning how to walk alongside each other. And so you're going to find yourself accepting invitations that you wouldn't have regularly accepted. You're going to find yourself reaching out to people who God is calling for for you to pick up the phone and have a conversation with and restore relationships. The body at this particular time has to come together because the work that we have to do it, it, it's a unit. It's one body going forward. It's not so many people going in different directions, and we're not touching the ones that God is looking for us to touch. He said, you must now stop for a moment. He said, let them hear and take in what I just said. And so, Lord, 
that they are taking in what you're giving. What scripture do you want me to bring up that this message may go forward in accordance to what you call forth? Let's go to John 4. Precious John 4. What's mm-hmm. in John 4? Start at the beginning. Yes. Um, so I'm reading John 4, the NIV. The title of this is called Jesus Talks with the Samaritan Woman. <laughs> now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. <clears throat> Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Let's stop right here. Let's stop right here. Let's talk about the Samaritan woman. Okay. Where does she come from? What tribe was she, you guys? Can we find that out? Where does she come from? Because in this particular situation, all this time, Jesus has been totally hovering with the gentleman. And now all of a sudden, I don't know where he's with a woman. And num- number one, he's of a woman. And then back in them particular days, they didn't communicate and talk to women. So we all know that. Okay, because we've read it in the scripture over and over. And so God is literally showing us, even in this particular scripture, he stopped and he began to deal with somebody that most people wouldn't deal with. So that's what he want to make sure. You are so awesome. He always brings me back to the things that he wants to talk about. And it's so awesome. Mm. And so this is somebody that (laughs) no one would likely deal with. Yes, she was. Yeah, she was a Samaritan. Mm-hmm. So, Bradley, Bradley, can you tell me about her? Look in your portion. Yeah, give us a chance. Anybody can tell me about her. Somebody has a study Bible. They can give me a better understanding. Yeah. 
This is how I break down the word, what he gives me. One thing I just picked up, she was a social outcast. Uh So that was one of the things that really uh, made her stand out. And that's what God is really talking to us about, the social outcasts, the ones that definitely nobody wants to go to, nobody wants to interact with, those who are just left there. And so in that particular opening, he literally showed us that this is who he's going to. And he's calling us to go to. Give me a second, I'm still. Yeah, so we we know that, but I'm trying to find out a little bit more. I'm taking off my shirt. No, because I gotta pull this off so it can Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> um, so the question is, what does the Samaritan woman represent? The story of the Samaritan woman, also known as the woman at the well, draws our attention to the central theme of the gospel. By approaching her, Jesus demonstrates his care for all, regardless of their social standing. We can also be inspired by the Samaritan woman's excitement and sharing the good news of Jesus. So I really want to focus in on the social status because you can understand she was an outcast mm-hmm. in, in the region in which she's in, and nobody really considered her a value. Mm-hmm. And so when you begin to look at this particular story, 
it reminds you of what he said to us in the beginning. He literally said that we were going, to, he was shaking up the earth. And in him shaking up the earth, he's literally saying to us in this particular shaking, he's shaking and those who are the social outcasts are individuals that he's going to start drawing into the kingdom. But the only way that we can get into the kingdom, he then began to show us this bag of popcorn. And he literally said it was the cheesy popcorn. You know that that mm -hmm. cheesy uh, orange stuff that you put on the uh, popcorn after you put it in, you put it in the bag and it gets all over your hands and it begins to change even the color of your skin as you begin to see the cheesy popcorn. So the Lord shows me that cheesy popcorn and that cheesy popcorn is all over us, meaning that he's allowing us to be pliable in these particular areas. So he's going to be pouring into us the wisdom and the knowledge on how to interact and reach those who he's shaking up on mm. the earth. And in order for us to be pliable, we have to lose sight of self. We mm -hmm. have to lose sight of how we see others and really see them from his lens. And not only see them from his lens, but be able to walk in that particular place. And so he literally said when he started off, there will be some relationships restored. And that's as a result of even how people have fallen away as a result of people not really embracing them because they felt like God didn't care. And or the church doesn't understand. I still have a relationship with God. It was funny today, uh, as before I got here, there was this woman at the corner uh, as I was walking down Pasadena. And as I was walking down Pasadena, uh, you know, where the shopping malls and all of that is at, I just so happened to see this woman and she had a sign, don't miss Jesus, or, you, you know, the normal sign, or you're going to hell. And she, she was walking around with this yellow and black sign, and I read it and I said, oh my God, this sign is so offensive to those who are on the outside of the kingdom because you're literally saying you're going to hell. And even though they think they're doing a great job to show forth who Jesus is, but it was so offensive. And so this gentleman who was standing at the light with this other gentleman, and I started to interject and jump in and say, get close enough to them to have a conversation, but I wasn't fully led to do that. And I started to grab a hold and say, wait a minute, she didn't mean that. I apologize. You know, I apologize. She didn't mean that. But he literally said, my parents, they all are Christians. And he said, but myself, and he began to say, da, 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 da. And he began to say, well, I'm going to hell, da, da, da. I'm an atheist. I don't believe in all that, da, 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 da. And he began to talk about his family. So I'm listening in on the conversation. And I wanted to say something so bad, but, and, and I, I got so close to them as they were walking and I started to say something, but I had no words. Uh, but in my heart of hearts, I said, oh my God, Lord, 
that a census sign made this person speak out against you. And then he turned around, he said, I believe Jesus. I, I know he's real, but the sign of his sin, and I can tell he dabbled in homosexuality. I can tell his sin was bothering him. And so it was easy to say, yes, I believe in Christ, but let me push him away because of what I'm doing, I'm not accepted. And so it was easy for him to say, Christ is not for me. And he said some offensive things as he was uh, walking alongside of the guy, but the guy who was with him wasn't really saying nothing. He didn't say anything. He was just listening to the guy as he was, you know, opening up his heart. And I said, wow, Lord. And, and, and the Lord said, many are bruised. And he said, and it's the result of the church. He said, they failed to realize how I accept all. He says, I never focus on where they're at today. I focus on where I can take them. And he says, and I want you to change the way you see people. It's not where they're at today, it's where I can take them. He said, look at where I have taken you. He said, were you not broken? He said, were you not as this Samaritan woman? She was an outcast. I know I was an outcast. And the Lord is literally saying to remember where you were in order to help those who he is shaking to come forward. So we got some idea. It was about her social standing. She she didn't fit into her community. And so God is literally after those who don't necessarily fit into their community, don't fit into their families, that don't fit into the spaces and where they fit. I want it so bad to go to the lady and say, oh, can you put an X on this and post love here? Say, God loves you despite where you're at. But she literally was walking and saying, everybody was going to hell. And sometimes we literally look at, listen to what he's saying. We literally look at people as such and we deem them to hell. To hell. They're going to hell. We literally look at them because of where they're at and literally say they're going to hell. Mm-hmm. That's why Jesus said that the why when you said that it reminded that in his word he said that people that think they're gonna be there are not gonna be there. The people that think that they are the people that think that they are gonna be there will not be there. But the people that don't will be there. 
I think that that is bad. Like a lot of people, a lot of us Christians, when we when we're um, turning people off to the Lord, that that we're gonna we're accountable for that. Exactly. We gotta show them show them I love that like He says I love our compassion, all the things that the way He is, you know. And that's what He wants us to do with everyone. And I know it helped me a lot when you told me um, one time about um, Valerie, you know, because the house, I was the only one that kept saying, I mean, I love you, but there's no way I'm going to accept that. And I don't feel that um, it's right because in the Bible it says that it's not right. And everybody got upset at me. But our relationship is closer than it's ever been, you know, because I always tell her, you know, that Jesus loves her. Not, I, and I don't bring that down. We don't, I don't even discuss that. I just try to tell how God has blessed me and what He's done, and she's seen the things that the Lord has done. And um, and I feel like that what you're saying that we can't um, judge anybody and think that we're the only ones that are going to be there because we have to win those people for the Lord. Because when you start showing them the love of Jesus, then they're going to want that love of Jesus. I hear you. So let's see where he's taking us. So I hear your, because your, it's easy for us to say that and, and, and all the stuff that you're saying, but still, we all have biases. We all have something that stands out, whether we agree to it or not. And it comes up unbeknownst to us. And sometimes we're not even willing to admit that we have things against others. It, it can be our upbringing. It can be even how we see things, even how we look at things. We all have something that stands against Christ. And God literally said that he's shaking up things. And so that means the things that are on the inside of us is going to be shaken as well. This is how you, you, you respond to stuff. So that means there's going to be some things as we interact with people that God's going to show you your true character and what he has against you. This week I had an encounter. Can you hear me? This week I had an encounter I haven't experienced before. Um, the King of Kings presented himself to me as the as of late and he's not the nice, loving Jesus as you would. He's uh, the king of all kings, and so it's very authoritative. And he said to me two nights in a row, renounce the hidden things. And so I had to, I was on the floor, and he started to, so I started to pray in the spirit, and I started to groan in the spirit, and I was shown that growing up, I, how do I explain this? If you hate a brother, you have murdered. If you lust, you have, a, you have committed adultery. He showed me, and I actually experienced being a murderer because of even the smallest amount of hatred or judgment. He brought me through multiple things each night where he showed me why and the depth and the feeling of of why that is when Jesus said if you hate your brother then you are a murderer and so I had to renounce those hidden things it was very similar you elaborate on what you said about 
what that is when you experience that? Well, I can try. Um, I don't know if I can. I think I can tell by showing you what the Holy Spirit showed me. Um, one day, this was years ago, um, I had got a word from a, a pastor, and he had said it over the congregation. And he literally said that you're going to start seeing famous stars perish from upon the earth. He said, there's going to be a shaking of stars upon the earth. And, and he was talking about, you know, people who idolize, are idolized by people. And at that particular time, what popped in my head, hear what I'm saying, you guys, it was Michael Jackson and Whitney Houston. They popped in my head, and I knew at that particular point in time that I needed to pray for the two of them. And I remember being that new Christian, because I was a new Christian at that time, and I don't know why these two individuals popped in my head, and I had no knowledge whatsoever of why I, I focused in on them. Um, fast forward, each one perished. And I went back to the Lord and said, I don't understand. Did I not do my part? Did I not, you know, not do my part in sitting in the gap and praying for them? I got nothing. Recently, I also questioned why did they perish? And I then watched the history of Whitney Houston. They have this movie out, and I just so happened to decide I wanted to watch it and really understand. And as I began to watch it, and as I began to look at this particular woman, it was the rejection that killed her. Coming from a place to whereby you had a beautiful voice and you were on top of the world, and then coming back to a place because she got caught up in drugs and, and, and it affected her voice and it affected her ability to God to stand up and sing. She was still traveling place to place and taking on events, but she could not sing at the level in which she was singing. And it was crushing her to whereby they canceled concerts. And in the counseling concerts, the Lord was showing me uh, the more she would go back and self-medicate because she couldn't, she couldn't stand after she lost her greatest thing that she valued was her, her voice. And as I began to look at this, and I was, you know, literally watching this movie, my heart just began to sink and start, and I began to cry. And I wasn't necessarily crying for her, but I was crying out for how we exalt people. And we put people in these places, and then when they can't produce, we as the world just toss them to the side, and they become that outcast. Never to stand before man to be of any value anymore because 
the society society is cruel. And so as he's saying, what I felt was her pain. As I watched her movie, I felt her pain. And I and and her pain moved me. It wasn't it wasn't all the stuff I seen in the movie because the movie didn't didn't have you know it, it it gave a light of her life, but I felt whatever she was feeling, and I don't know why I felt what she was feeling. The Lord just was showing, placing on me what she was feeling, and what I said, oh my God, Lord, and He said. This is how everyone who is socially an outcast feels. It's a heavy weight that if you if you stepped into the spirit realm to fill it, it will bring you to tears because it's so heavy that there's no words can express how much they're hurting on the inside and it's like on the inside of you it becomes a well of a pain and you hurt for them and to the point to where you start crying because the weight of it is so heavy that nobody can walk in it he said this is why i have elevated you to the state in which you are that you can retrieve my elect. I stop. And you can ask God to show you what that feels like. He will show you. And as you feel it, don't run from it. But understand what others are dealing with, even to, it's going to bear witness to you because you experienced it as well. That same feeling that you feel upon them, you're going to feel it and you're going to see areas of your own personal life where you felt that same way. It's that heavy burden really resting on you and you there was nothing you could do to lift it off of you. That's the best way I can say it. It's, it's so deep. And, 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 it, and it brings you to tears because you know it, 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 it hurts. And, and, and I'm going to be real. Some people in this church still walk through that today. Because it's a form of rejection and they don't know how to lift it off. Only person that can lift it is God. But you have to recognize that you have to give it to them. Hopefully that helped. Does that explain it to When you first started talking about this, um, when you first started talking about this, the scripture that popped in my mind today was one that I had came across. Um, and I can't even remember why I started searching this out, but it says in Ezekiel 33, verse 11, which I've never read this book. <laughs> um, it says, this is the Lord saying this, as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. 
And it corrected me when I came across the scripture because somewhere in my heart, I had a view of the Lord as if there was a, a, a bit of like satisfaction in those who have done wicked things perishing. There was a part of that in my heart somewhere. And so even as Bradley's talking and sharing this stuff about like, you know, the hate of our brothers and these different things, when we see stuff happen around us or to us that is just unjust, we feel like, oh, God wants to do something, you know, to that person or to come against them. And we feel like it's just, but God is saying like, no, I take no pleasure whatsoever in the death of the wicked, but that they would turn from their ways and come back to him. Holy Spirit, when you begin to speak that, he immediately took me to the cross and he showed me the two men on the side. And even in that, he literally had compassion and, and, and the desire to even help them in the midst of what he was going through. So you know even in that how much he cares. How much he cares. And, and he's never going to turn around, uh, turn away from somebody who's aching and crying. That's why he died. He died for all of us. He didn't say, oh, not for them, all. And that's where we have to come to the understanding that this is not about a, a social group that's only for a Christian, those who believe. It's for an invitation to all to come in. He doesn't care what you look like. He don't care where you've been. He literally wants them to come in. Well, it says it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, right? So why? They have their prosperity. It's harder not to lay claim to the things in the earth realm. So it's hard to give up those things. That's why blessed are those the kingdom of God belongs to those who are weak, who are meek, who are rejected. The society and the things of this realm rejects them, so it's easier to accept the things of the kingdom. And for us to be able to have compassion and deal with the depths of our soul, Jesus bore all of our weaknesses and iniquities. He dealt with, he, it says, the Bible clearly says that he went through everything that we could have gone through and still yet sinned not. So he bore, he is born and he, we can relate with him to the same degree. And so us too, in Corinthians, it says, in the same way that we are comforted in God, by God and our weakness, so too we will comfort those who are weak and troubled. And so the desire in bringing the kingdom is the peaceable and pure nature of Jesus in us, in that image, bringing and making it available to those who are weak and suffering and rejected. But even much of the rich today are suffering more so because they're so trapped. They don't know how to get out and let go of the claim of this earth. So we also be highlighted and promoted for that purpose so we can reach them. But it's also going to require a softening of all of us. Very much so. And, and we have to be softened to understand, to be able to listen, to be able to understand where they're at, and to be able to communicate effectively in the places that they're walking. And that includes operating impatience. Not trying to overstep them, overtalk them, but to be active listeners in the space and where they're at and to be able to be that comforter 
that God has comforted us to help them to come to the place in which they are willing to come out of the place. He's not saying that they're going to begin to be polished. You know, when somebody's coming out of something, hopefully you guys understand, they don't come fully out. Okay? There's residue still upon the individual. And I think that's where we don't have grace for one another because there's still residue on one another. And sometimes we really don't see where they came from. We just know that, hey, they're in the body now, but we don't know the residue sometimes that's on people. And because we don't understand the residue, we literally take them for face value, but not understanding that there's still some things on the inside of them that they're still contending with, and we show zero tolerance, and God is looking for us to show tolerance in this particular area, such as he did with the woman. He said to her, even the husband you have now is not yours. But he didn't tell her to go home and get rid of him. And that's what we tell people. Oh, you got to clean up first. And that's not what God said. We literally tell them that they have to do a 120 degree turnaround. And we didn't. As we begin to understand what the Bible says to us about the love he has for us, that's what changed us. But we then turn around and we put these heavy weight on others to get them into the place and we didn't even have to have the heavy weight. He said, open your eyes and see yourself and make the change so that I don't have to make the changes anymore. Did you guys hear that? Open your eyes, see yourself, and make the change so he don't have to make the change in you. Pastor Kathy, can I share, interject something in there? Well, praise God. I just want to be obedient because normally I, I don't I don't say anything, but he did drop, um, just, just bear with me and let me get this out. He did drop... Um, a word when you were uh, talking about the popcorn, and I heard the word yeah. seed corn. But before I go into that, uh, Wait a I heard the word what? Seed Say that again? corn. Seed, S-E-E-D, okay. corn. You know, okay. that corn is a seed. Uh-huh. Okay? okay? But I don't want to go there just yet. I want to I wanna say okay. what he just dropped. Uh, <laughs> I heard him say that... Um, he who has been forgiven much will love much. And, you know, that's going to uh, bring the compassion because God is forgiving you and and you're still struggling with some things. So that's going to keep judgment away from you because there are some things that people in the body of Christ are still struggling with. And God is yet compassionate and merciful. So that is what's going to help you to develop that compassion for others. And compassion facilitates miracles. Now, this is what he gave me about the seed corn. You know, um, seed corn, popcorn, when you get rid of popcorn, 
popcorn, that cheesy corn, or just regular popcorn. It must go through a process. It's a process to make cheesy corn. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that you have to do, uh, you got to pop the corn. That means that, that it takes fire to cause that kernel to open up. It takes a, there's there's fire and there's heat. And it's got to be a certain level of heat. If it's not hot enough, that kernel is not going to open up. So that's step number one. Uh, and then you got that you got to go through a pro. There's a process for cheesy popcorn. And then there's a additional process uh, because when you make cheesy popcorn, there's a cheese powder that you use. Or you can use the powder from. Uh, the macaroni and cheese, the box macaroni and cheese, but something has to cause that cheesy powder to stick. So <laughs> most people will use uh, butter or use vegetable oil. And we know oil is, is uh, that's the spirit of God. So it's some, that, that, that cheesy wow. powder has to stick on that kernel of popcorn after wow. it has gone through the fire. After mm. God has got uh, us to a certain place, oh then God. we're ready to be anointed oh. by the Spirit oh. of God. Amen. See, he has to come Amen. upon us. <laughs> he has to come Whoa. upon us in order for that cheesy powder to stick. Amen. Then. Amen. And then <laughs> will shake it up okay then yeah. see then it's shaking the 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 fire you got to go through the fire to open up the kernel then you got to put the oil you got to anoint it then the powder will come on that's the last step then the shaking in order for it to be distributed evenly so that there's nothing oh. nothing exposed mm. that is all covered completely then it's it's ready to be consumed amen it's ready to be it's ready to be consumed but see when you said that and he gave me that word he gave me uh uh uh, uh the communion scripture um first corinthians 11 uh 24 and Paul was talking about, you know, taking, a, you know, the communion and, and this is the instruction that the Lord gave me. And he said, uh, he said that he was quoting from Jesus. This is my body, which was broken for you. But there wasn't a bone in Jesus' body that was broke. When you look that word up, that word means bread. It's clayo, and it's, it was used 15 times. And every time it was talking about being broken, that Jesus took bread. He blessed it. He broke it. And he gave it. He gave it out. It was distributed. Okay, that's what it means. And each of the 15 times, it was talking about breaking of bread in the New Testament. So we are to distribute, as it were, through the gifts of the Spirit, through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We are to we are to bless his name. We are to give thanks. We are to break it amongst other people and give it out. Amen. So I just wanted to share that about the process, the process of of uh, of cheesy popcorn. 
Amen. I just wanted to be obedient. I didn't mean to jump in, but I just wanted oh, to be obedient it. while I was on oh, we, That set it to a whole nother level. Uh-huh. Thank you. I praise God Hallelujah. for you stepping in and giving that greater insight because it, it just lines up with the word completely and it literally shows forth what he's doing in his body. So I praise God for the revelation that he gave you because it definitely lines up. And I think everybody on this call and sitting in this room is able to see it and to understand from his point of view of where we are standing. But I love the part that to be to be made usable for the Lord and and we got to go through the fire. We have to open up. We have to open up. We're hard. See, when popcorn is popped, it's soft. But that seed, that's why I heard the word seed corn. Seed corn. Yes, it's yes, a yes. seed. It's a seed. It's, yes. it's, it's potential within us. But something mm. has to open us up so that what God has put in us from the very beginning can be available to be used by the Spirit of God. Amen. But I love how when he said to me, because it didn't make sense, but now that you say seed corn, remember, because he said they will turn into popcorn. Remember how he said they would turn into corn? He said they're going to eat the corn and then they turn into corn. Okay? And so then they become seed corn and they got to go through the fire and they have to do everything. So it's a process that continues to regenerate itself as God continues to shake Mm, mm, mm. Wow. Wow. Praise be to God. <laughs> Let's see if I can get you to go over. Hold on. If you guys continue to hang in there. Okay. So just wanted to give you a little bit more background on the Samaritan person as God is leading us. This person is writing about John 4, verse 4 through 26. This episode takes place before the return of Jesus to Galilee. Some Jews, some Jews regarded the Samaritans as foreigners, and their attitude was often hostile, although they shared most beliefs, while many other Jews accepted Samaritans as either fellow Jews or as Samaritan Israelites. I want to stop you and focus in on their attitude is hostile. Mm-hmm. So if they're rejected, then how are they going to be hostile? Mm-hmm. And, and, and what's going to cause them to come out of that place? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Hold on, you guys. Should they leave? I'm sorry, you guys. We just seen the police. (laughs) And he flashes lights. Okay. So we praise God. Anyway. (laughs) uh, So in that particular place, he's telling you that they're hostile. And that means they're not easy going to be in that position to receive. Do you hear me? They're not going to be 
easily in that position to receive. They're not going to be saying, oh, yeah, I want your God. They're not going to truly be in that position. So you're going to have to come alongside of them. And you're going to have to befriend them. And you're going to have to learn how to speak their language. And that's where you're going to trust the Holy Spirit on the inside of you to make you pliable so that you can begin to minister to them. That doesn't mean you fall into sin with them, but you can begin to understand where they're at and to be able to help lift them out. Mm. And it's going to be where you become a friend. That means a friend is somebody that listens. And you got to, the Holy Spirit said, remember what I said. I had to listen to a guy that nobody never listened to. And now he's, he's my friend. And, you know, where I would least expect to have a friend, but the Lord literally said, I want you to go and hang out with him. So, like, you know, I haven't seen him in probably about 20 years, but I'm going to hang out with him just to listen to him to see. And he invited me to this big event where he's honoring people in his life that made an impact on him. And I'm one of them people. And and, and I didn't realize that I made an impact. I don't know what I said other than I listened. And that's all God is asking us to do is to get out of where we're at. Don't judge them anymore. A place of rest. A place of belonging. A place to belong. Don't chase them away. Don't beat them with the scriptures. Uh-huh. Be a friend. Help to restore the relationship with them in God. And so that means God's going to be dealing with you and some of the relationships you have had that you have walked away from because you didn't agree with what they said. And so God's bringing some of them back. You're going to even find find yourself being in that position where you're calling people and apologizing. And the Lord said, you will admit you were wrong. He said, you will admit that you hurt them. And he says, and you shall show love and patience to all. And he just says, hear him as he speaks. And he says, this is not about justification. It's all about his kingdom. 
And he even shows me where you're going and you're sitting before the person and trying to figure out what you're supposed to say. And he says, I want you to be yourself. Holy Spirit said, talk about this. <laughs> this is me. And I love this because this is me. <laughs> Sometimes I'm invited to parties. And then the party begins to shift. And when the party shifts, I can't shift. I'm stuck. I can't join the other part portion of the party because, because I don't know how to shift. Because I'm okay as long as there's Christ's conversation. But when the party starts shifting to other stuff, <laughs> I don't know how to shift. And I, I become the person that's stuck in the corner by myself and I, I'm ready to go home and everybody shifted and I'm still stuck in this corner. It's funny because I learned something about myself this weekend. The Holy Spirit has someone to speak to me. And the person said to me, every time I have invited you to an event, and when the party shifts, I spend my whole time trying to figure out how do I get you into the place. I'm easily offended. So I don't shift. What do I mean? If the cussing starts and all the other stuff, I'm just like, oh, oh this is kind of awkward to me. If they turn on music and the, the music begins to have that body stuff and start talking about body parts and all this kind of stuff, I'm totally outside of my element and I just don't know what to do. And I sit there and I freak out. And I don't know how to, I don't know how to apply. And I'm scared to listen because if I listen, I don't want that racing in me as I'm going home. I never say, Lord, protect me as I'm sitting here. I just be sitting there trying to get a hold of the person who I came with and say, I'm ready to go. So I make the person I came with so uncomfortable until they just say, I got to take her home. And the Lord says, I need you to learn how to stand in me. Uh, a while ago, I have lived that many times in the world that I am called to be in. And at one point, my job was to watch demonic movies and see if they should be acquired for my company. Um, something the Lord showed me during that time, which he brought back the vision, was um, that we are moved by those situations because I would he equated sin to water, and it's like when you get wet or when water gets on you, and you're like, ah, oh, like I'm wet now, and I don't want to be wet, and we freak out like it's this permanent thing. But when you're in Christ, 
it dries up. We are oil, and so we actually go on top of the water. And when you're walking in the Holy Spirit and you're in that environment, the oil keeps into everything and it stinks. <laughs> and it can't get out easily. And so the problem is we see ourselves as, well, I'm going to get wet and I'm going to be corrupted. And it's just water. Oh, the Lord even shows me, even being the oil, uh, water doesn't even stay. <laughs> it doesn't even stay. So it's so important that we begin to see things from his lens and not from our own. And and I and the person who said to me, I see when you crash and I don't know how to bring you back. And and the person even went as far as telling me, I invited you to the party because you're goofy. And you know how to talk to people and then turn it into a Christ situation. All of my friends are there because I'm counting on you to stand in who you are as the silly person and allow the Holy Spirit to use you to bring the conversation into what it needs to be. Uh. And the person said to me, how many times have you heard them talk about something crazy and you turned around and flipped it and it became a Christ conversation because you allowed the spirit to use you. And I said, oh, I do. <laughs> oh, I do. I do that at work all the time. It's something I do at work. And I said, that's why you get an invitation all the time. But because you haven't got so uncomfortable with yourself, you come and you become something that deters the party negatively. Uh. And the question was, are you not salt? Are you not the seasoning that they need? So the question to you guys, are you not the seasoning? Uh -huh. Are you not the salt? Because the person said to me, when you and your element, you got some of the craziest stuff going on in you that <laughs> it don't even make sense and you make people laugh at just you laughing. Because you're always doing something crazy. Perfect example, you guys, my last crazy event. You know, I bust into Cinnamon's room uh, last week. And me busting into her room, I had went to the gym, and so I'm going to lay my hair down, you know, because my hair is a little poopy, you know, because I went to the gym. And so I decide to put on edge control on the sides of my hair, and to lay my hair down in the back and put my hair in a ponytail. Cinnamon's watching me the whole time. I go in a room, I come out, I lay my hair down, I get a brush, and then I recognize she has a better brush than me, and I get her brush out the drawer, I pull out this uh, stuff, I'm thinking to lay the hair down. 
Do you know what it was? Cinnamon said, Mom, you're going to learn not to come in my room and steal my stuff. And then she said, know why? Because you just now put uh, medication that I have for my rash on my underarm all through your hair. Uh-huh. And now your hair is going to be tingling because you put it all through your hair. She said that was not medication to lay, uh, I mean, not stuff to lay the size of your hair down because it looked like hair wax. So I uh, thought it was hair wax. And it wasn't hair wax. Do you hear what I said? It was medication. So I medicated my whole entire head. To, literally, I had to rush and go get my hair done because it literally said that it can take your hair out. Okay. So in that, Cinnamon said, you know, Mom, there's never a day that I don't stop laughing at you. And so when I shared the story at work, everybody started laughing. You know, they were like, did she not see it? Did you not read the label? I said, well, it looks like it was wax. And and I, 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 I didn't, and it was in the same similar jar, little purple jar, little purple jar. But one was light purple, another one was dark. But oh. I just thought she bought a bigger jar of it. And, and so... Even in that, sometimes when you tell the silly things that you do, people just laugh. And so in that, that's a way also to bring Christ in. Uh And so Christ is literally saying, I put so much in you. All I'm asking that you be yourself. Amen. Amen. Okay, so let's go. Where do I go, Lord? I got to stay with Takiya for a moment, and then I'll come back to you. The two communities seem to have drifted apart in the post-exilic period. Both communities shared Pentaku, although crucially the Samaritan Pinnock locates the holy mountain at Mount Gerizim, rather than at Mount Zion, as this incident acknowledges at John 4.20. The Gospel of John, like the Gospel of Luke, is favorable to the Samaritans throughout, and while the Metanhim Gospel quotes Jesus at one early phase in his ministry, telling his followers to not at that time evangelize any of the cities of the Samaritans, This restriction had clearly been reversed later by the time of Matthew, chapter 28, verse 19. So let me basically stop you here. So at one point of time, they were not allowed to go into a place, but then God reversed it. And he literally allowed for them to go into all the areas of the earth and to preach the gospel. And so it's our responsibility to go everywhere to preach the gospel. And if you look when she was saying that they were not of the same sector, but yet they were. And so what the Lord is showing that somehow or another they were divided, but uh, everything they believed was one of the same. And so as we begin to come closer to these individuals, we will find that their belief system matches ours. We just see things from a different viewpoint. 
but we believe in the same. The way the Lord said it, you go up one side of the hill and I go up the other side, but we still meet at the top. That's true. Particularly when you're hiking, certain paths are more comfortable for others than the other one, right? Well, sometimes in walking with our Lord, the way that we even communicate with him is more comfortable compared to somebody else. Uh, in talking about where we worship in this scripture, it makes me think of when someone says, oh, I love God too, and then we start praying and they say, dear mother, father, God, and we're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> who are we praying to? You know, we're like the universe or whatever, and we get very moved by that because just like the Samaritans, they have part understanding and it's mixed in with other stuff. But what I love is the Lord, you know, saying that if they're not if they're not against me, they're for me. And I think we need to have more of that attitude because we do have more in common than we have difference with a lot of people who may be calling themselves spiritual or practice some different or type of religion. So you make me laugh because uh, this week I encountered that with my boss because she was telling me that the Catholic religion was the founding religion of everything. And uh, this is where everything started in the Catholic religion. And I said, my Bible don't say that. <laughs> and she began to try to tell me, she said, I guarantee you everything in all these other religions, such as what you believe and all this other stuff that's that going on around the world, is not where it started. And then I said, I'm going to search that out and I'm going to show you something different. And then she said, you're not going to get me to believe something different. And I said, and you ain't going to get me to believe nothing different. And so she said, I see you are moved. That's what she said to me. <laughs> She immediately said to me, I see you are moved. Uh-huh, she pushed the button because I, I I definitely was moved. And she said, so I see I got a, a, inside of you in a negative place. And and then I pulled back and calmed down and I said, I'm just telling you. <laughs> you ain't going to change my mind. Mm, that's but a good. even in that, the Lord showed me, as you were just talking to me, my offensive stand, because my stand just automatically just came. Uh -huh. And I was like, no, okay? And, and she could see I was totally out. And she said, hmm, I just rubbed you the wrong way. And I, I, and I said, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. I said, because I'm a stand on what I know. But it literally showed me, as you were talking, how I was totally against her. And I, I wasn't willing to listen to anything. I said, uh-uh, I don't deal with no moon crowd. You know, in my mind, in, under my breath, I was, I, I was getting ready to point out why I don't agree with her religion, her portion of the religion. And I was getting ready to slap her with it. And then I just said, I begged the different, and I got mad, and I walked out of her office. You know, it, and I would just say, I don't know if other people feel this way, but like if someone talks poorly about your mom, you would get offended. And when people yes. talk poorly about my Lord, it hurts. Exactly. It hurts. And if they have a false understanding or they believe 
part and then are totally off to something else or God did this to me and so I never prayed again. Like it, it hurts to hear that anger and so we want to defend him, but Jesus never defended himself. Exactly. And he, he allowed us to take the punches. And so he's asking us to do the same and believe that he can take it. And he cares so much more about winning their soul than about being right. And that's uh-huh. something I've been hard to learn. Exactly. And, and I grew up Catholic. And so I God, God bless yes. us, Everett. I remember he passed out these little pamphlets that yes. explained why Catholicism was wrong. I and I kept it for years. And I was like, Oh, this makes so much sense. It's all exactly. Babylonian times. Exactly. And, like, I did it. <laughs> and so that, that offense came whenever people would talk about Catholicism. Exactly. But recently, this woman who would be with my masseuse for a while would try to minister to me about Catholicism. And I just asked her questions that I was curious about. I said, why do you guys worship Mary? And she had a really interesting explanation. It was like, because the Lord loved her. And so we honor her too. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, what about saints? What's up with that? Why do you have graven images? And she said, you know God and like these these like these sites that there's a miracle that happened here and there. And and these these holy relics. I, I was like, why do you have relics? I don't get it. And she said, Remember when Jesus said for to doubting Thomas, blessed are the people who don't believe or who believe without seeing? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah. And she said, but he allowed Thomas to touch the, 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 the womb. Mm-hmm. And she said, sometimes God provides that for people who don't have full faith and they need to see something in order to believe. I said, I can't argue with that. So my, my biggest challenge with her, because every day she tells me, oh, I just seen a bird fly by. There go my de- dead brother telling me hello, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, Lord, help me to how to deal with that. Uh-uh. And she said, Kathy, can you see him go by? <laughs> Absolutely. you hear our challenge by based on what I'm saying? And I just look out the window and shake my head and say. No, I didn't see him. I just, I just turned around and said, no, I did not see him. <laughs> or have you ever ministered to somebody and they misunderstood what you said? Oh, boy. I told someone, like, oh, I feel a present. That's right. I said, I said, there was another woman who was doing a facial, and I said, I, I feel, do you ever feel a presence in the room? Like, like I feel the spirit of God in the room, and she said, she said, yeah, my brother died, and I feel him all the time. And I was like, God, oh, no. <laughs>
he's put in each one of us. Enjoy what he's put in each one of us. And so this is a way that you can all see that we all have biases and that we all disagree with something here or there. But when it begins to arise in us, we have to take that back to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm moved by what this person is saying. Help me to stay in place to do the works that you have called me to do. And let me not jump ship or show a facial expression that <laughs> okay, or disbelief, okay? But let me stay grounded in you, okay? That's what he's telling you in this season, okay? And not to look at things as awkward, but to understand. Because I have asked God on many occasions, why I don't see my mother walking around? Why did she didn't come back as a bird and talk to me? You know, <laughs> you know, all something they say. You know, am I missing something here? You know, because I know when I seen her go in that box, I know it was done, box. and she's it's over with. Okay, and, and I will see her again, but I'm not looking for her on this earth because she's not here. Mm-hmm. And so, in that. I'm not to change here what I'm saying, how they see things. I'm to help them to bring out the Christ in them. Uh-huh. I'm making sure I heard you guys heard what I just said. I'm not there to change how they see. My job is to get them to see the Christ. And Christ will change what he wants. Amen. And some of that stuff they don't keep because they got to talk to the next person. And so we got to be okay if how we come up the mountain is not the same way. If when we get to the top, we're the same. He said, now I'm precious. I can give it back to you. All right. Yeah, I say something? Mm-hmm. Then Joshua told him a story of taking a city where, I hope you understand what I'm saying, but um, the troops outside let all the people from the inside scurry out first before they were able to go into the city. Do you, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes we have to let people say everything they need to say before we can place something into their city. Customer service 101. One time, Pastor asked me when we were ministering for the homeless on the phone, she said, Would you die for them? And I was like, Oh, definitely not. Probably no. But we have to be willing to die for them. What part of you will die? For that person. If you're rejecting them, what part of religion are you holding on to? He just didn't form religion. And he wasn't afraid to touch them. No. And I remember when we used to help the homeless, many of you guys were afraid to touch them. And I, I can recall 
that I not only touched them, I even had one, I think you were around when he wrapped himself around me and I and held me hostage for I don't know how long and they were talking about snatching him off of me and I said, No, we're not gonna do that. We're going to allow him to release me gently. And he eventually released me. But everybody was moved because he took his arms and just wrapped himself around. But he wrapped himself around me because he said, I seen something in you that I desire. And his way of getting a hold of it was to wrap himself around me. And in that place, in that place, it was me talking about Jesus. No, you see, Jesus. I stand for Jesus. And that's how I started getting him to unwrap. But I kept telling him, this is not your home down here. Find your home. But it's about them seeing the Christ in you. And if they touch you, if they get a hold of you, remember, God is dealing with your biases. In that story, it was actually about war. They ran and allowed to seemingly let the people in the city defeat them to make it seem like they were defeated before they went into the city. Sometimes God will let you be defeated. Let them win. Then they, they, then they will open up completely. Be with them. You don't have to agree, but say, oh, that's fantastic. Let them let them win. You're not winning anything. Yeah, exactly. The opposite of apologetics. <laughs> <laughs> really? Very true. Apologetics. Apologetics. Arguing, arguing, arguing why. Arguing to the phone. Why you're right. It's pointing out when you let yourself. When you when you're not taught the right way, you're like I mean like the way you're teaching us is the right way. But I <coughs> I remember when I just got saved and I just got um um accepting the Lord and you know, I I was like on fire for the Lord at that you know at that time. So I came home and I told my grandmother and my grandma, you better take them altars off and get them altars up there. Catch on fire and our house is gonna burn up. My dad just got it. I remember my dad just grabbing me and started cussing at me and telling me, you don't be talking to grandma like that. <laughs> the young <laughs> black guy. I can remember, you know, this crazy thing to do that you don't even see. I don't even have that thought about everything that you're showing me now. You know, like he opens our eyes so that we could know that, you know, that's not the way. And, and little by little, you know, they accepted us changing our religion. And, and not religion, but believing the way we believe. And then definitely the way they believe. Yeah. Well, I want to give people a time on the phone if anybody has something. Anyone on the phone have something to add? Did you guys hear me? Anyone on the phone have something to add before we move on? I'm assuming silence means no. Precious, can you continue to read? 
Okay, well, I was reading it for whatever reason it cut me off. So <laughs> I read the whole thing. We couldn't hear you. I realized that because I read the rest of the story and I said, okay, crickets. Um, wow, we couldn't hear you. We okay, well, I'll, you just, I'll just go back to verse seven. Perfect. That's okay. Here we go. Take two. I'm reading John 4, NIV, verse 7. Um, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would not have given he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Let me stop you right there, precious. Okay. So he offered her living water, which represented a spring of water that basically bubbled up into eternal life. That's what we're offering them is that spring of water. Mm. He said, Say that again. You're offering them that spring of water. He's not saying anything, so that's why I'm being still for a moment. Wow. And in and, and that, and that place where the picture is being offered, I see him preparing a pitcher of water for each person he's sending you to. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> they have their own pitcher of water. And he's handing it to you, and you're literally handing it over to them. And it's becoming a well of water flowing on the inside of them by your simple conversation. Mm. So if you can go back to what he offered her and read that slowly because I want to make sure we get it and we see what we're offering. Mm -hmm. Verse 13. Oh, no, actually, sorry. 
Um, verse 9. Actually, 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his son and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to life. Can I stop you? Mm -hmm. What did she give him? You guys, what did she give him? Her issues. Say that again? Her issues. She shared her issues. Mm -hmm. And as she released her issues to him, he began to speak into the areas where she had issues. Because I kept saying to the Lord, what's the exchange? What's the exchange here? He said the exchange here is the conversation that produces life. And so in that place where you're having conversation, you're producing life in that particular area, and it becomes something that they cling to, and they begin to produce in that area. Oh, gosh. He said, this is easier than you think. He says, I'm not asking you to be a counselor. Uh -huh. I'm not asking you to be a teacher. I'm asking you to share where you've been and who I am to you. That's all I'm asking you. And he says, and as you share who you are, she said, allow me to pick the areas in which we'll produce. Yes. The areas that produce in you. The areas that produce in you is 99% of the time is the areas that you don't want to share. But it brings forth the greatest harvest. Oh. He said, repeat that. 
what produced in her life her sin whereby she had many relationships and she took that area that she was condemned in and it produced life in the region that she was in because everyone who was feeling like her wanted that same freedom. Do you guys see it? Uh-huh. Exactly. Because they didn't feel it. Up. So in that place where they didn't feel comfortable, they felt comfortable sharing because in that place they had someone that was relatable and didn't judge them. Mm-hmm. And so in return, it brought forth a harvest. And she did more work in that region than the disciples did because of what he said to her. She said, now you see how you're going to produce. But the funny part about this is your gray areas, you don't like talking about them. Because the enemy still has a hold on you in some of these areas where you feel ashamed. He said, for I have come to set the captive free. Amen. And then he says to me to say to you, be ye free, as I have set you free. So that means you can't crawl back up into these areas. Oh, I don't feel comfortable sharing. Uh-huh. Remember, what's going to free them is that you release your biases. The things that you, and you relate to them because you understand where you've been. You become relatable in that place because you understand where you've been. It would be like me saying, I ain't always been a pastor. Let me tell you where I've been. Where I used to hang. And sometimes I get caught up in. Because that's what they want to see. Oh, you want me to say that? That's the to you. Exactly. I mean, when you really think about it, all this other stuff, can you guys hear me? Yes. When you really think yes. about it, especially what's out there in the world today, self-help, self-medicate, you know, all those things are temporal. The only things that are everlasting are the things that are true, which is Christ. So that's the new and living water we need to be serving. Not this temporal stuff, not this feel-good stuff, not things that are only on the surface, but deep things of God that Christ has brought us out of and brought us to that's what the new and living water is. He says the greatest gift you have to offer is your testimony. Mm-hmm. He said be open and free to share them. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so that makes sense. Because as I was listening, I kept saying, what does she offer? What does she share with them? And she just said, come see the man that told me all things about me. I ever did. Everything she ever did. Yeah, (laughs) he he knew it all. But she's literally saying he knew it all, and he's still talking to me. Yeah, there was no judgment. He's still interacting with me. He's not kicking me away. Instead, mm-hmm. he's inviting me, and he's telling me to go get you guys too. Mm-hmm. It's like we're effective again. Take this popcorn. <laughs> oh, I'm not on mute. I'm sorry. But it makes sense. It was fine. <laughs> Praise be to God. I'm asking him where to go. He said, you gave them what I have given you. He said, but again, I want you to understand. Like a big, I'm not scared of love. I was just trying to grab it and throw it back. <laughs> yeah, anyway. And that particular, oh gosh. As I said, to catch it and throw it back, the Lord literally said, get over your fears. See? That's what he just literally said to me. Get over your fears. He said, because you don't know what's going to be on them. You know, you pick a lot of stuff up with people too lately. Okay. You don't know what's going to be on that. <laughs> That's like okay. the third person I had to do that. So, so in that place, you don't know what's going to be on them. But you have to be willing to go to the place where they're at. <clears throat> and he says, and trust me. Remember we talked about that? He said, why not? <laughs> I said, well, Lord, what about some people such as myself who think that everything on them is going to kill them? <laughs> <laughs> That's dirty. This doesn't do this. This doesn't do that. I, I freak out. And the Lord literally said, but I don't. I freak out. He said, but I don't. He says, I know how to come you. I know how to get you to stand with me. So I don't want you moved by what I put you in front of. I want you to trust me because that person's in need of what you have. Again, he said they may challenge you because that's what he said to people in this region. He said they may challenge you. They may even say some things that are harsh to you. He said, but be patient with them. And let me lead you. 
He said, be patient with them and let me lead you. So that's literally saying, you can't, when they first turn around and say, well, I'm leaving your Jesus. Okay, Lord, I did my job. See you later. Uh-huh. He's literally saying, but wait. Okay. That you're going to seek to have a conversation. And you're going to trust me in the midst of what you're going through. He says again, be not afraid. He says, I need you to trust me completely. He then goes back and he reminds me of what Hazel said. That kernel has to go under the fire in order for it to pop. It cannot stay in its hard form and help others. So it has to become softened as well. And so God is removing that hard shell that you're, you normally operate under. And he's releasing, do you understand? Because when it pops, it releases the soft and gentle part of its kernel. And the Lord says, that's what I'm looking you to flow in. And he just says, trust what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. This is the word of the Lord for us tonight. Mm -hmm. Praise Mm -hmm. be to God. Amen. Anyone have anything else before we close out? So, Regina, can you close us out in prayer? Sure. Father God, we just thank and praise you for the word that went forth tonight, that it will be rooted in our hearts, that, Father God, whenever we need, we'll be back to our remembrance. We just thank you, Father God, for the um, opportunity that we have to come before you, to learn your word, to walk in your word, and to to know you and to know who you are, Father God. And every experience that we have on this line is to bring us closer to you. And we thank you for this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Good night. Good night. If God is building top quality faith in your life through this ministry, we pray that you will partner with us by giving. You can visit our website, tqfm.org. Also, remember to subscribe for more messages like this.